You're listening to Being Autistic. I'm your host, Shelly, and I am a 50-year-old woman sharing my experiences about what it's like to grow up knowing I was different but not knowing why, how I learned I was on the autism spectrum, and what it's like to be autistic. Hello and welcome to episode number six of Being Autistic. This episode is called Undiagnosed Female in Adulthood. So that pretty much says it all. I'm going to be talking about what it was like to be an adult as an undiagnosed female. So the thing is, I was not diagnosed until I was 49, which was only a month ago, month and a half. And so I lived for about 31 years as an adult, not knowing I was autistic. And so this episode might get a little long. I'm not going to go super in-depth on each of these topics, but there's a lot of years in there, so I need to make sure that I cover everything because I've changed a lot in those 31 years. So I'm going to be talking about my work history, which was absolutely awful to say the least. I'm going to be talking about my friendships and how they developed and, you know, basically the whole thing about the friendships. I'm going to also talk about basic ways that my mental health was over the years, how it's changed. I'm going to talk about my living arrangements. And the reason why that's important is because I feel like autistic people... Um, they're not as good at being an adult, <laughs> and so they don't really, you know, they on the outside it kind of appears that maybe they don't have all their shit together, and that's evident in um, how people live, so I'm going to talk about that. I'm also going to give an overview of what my biggest biggest struggles have been over the last 31 years. So I'm gonna try to keep that separate to adulthood and not just my whole life. Even though the last 31 years does kind of feel like my whole life because it's been such a struggle and it makes everything feel worse. So basically, I'm gonna first start off with work because that was something I did starting when I was a teenager and I did talk about that a little bit in my last episode about being a teenager and not knowing I was autistic. So I was working two jobs. I was working at McDonald's and at a factory. And so I ended up getting fired from McDonald's. Silly reason. Nothing I did wrong. It was because uh, me and a friend tried to get a day off work and we apparently put in for the wrong day, but I don't think we did. The manager was our friend and he was jealous he couldn't go. So I... So I think he took it out on us by saying that we asked for the wrong day off. Whatever. That's besides the point. So I kind of went through my most of my adult years working at the factory then. And which I explained in the, in the last episode was awful because this was a loud factory. This was a bright factory. This was wide open spaces. And I hate all three of those things. But the reason why I stayed there for 18 years was because my dad got me that job. And like I said, it's very hard to do adult things as an autistic person for many reasons. And so I kept the job simply because I was already there and it was easier. I was comfortable with it even though I hated it because 
I mean, the hours were good, the, the money was good, and at the time, I didn't need much time off. I didn't think I did anyway. I didn't um, really go on vacations or anything, so I used my vacation time just to hang out with friends. Um, so it fit me. It fit my life at the time, even though I was uncomfortable with a lot of the things about it. And of course, who dreams of working in a factory? <laughs> it's not really something that I aspired to. I mean, I didn't aspire to do anything really. Um, but basically, I stayed there because it was simple. I didn't have to go on more job searches and interviews, so I just stayed. And so yeah, that was my work life until I was in my early 30s. And then when I got laid off from that job because they ended up closing eventually, but what happened after that was, uh, like, so I, I kind of take my adult life and I kind of split it into two parts. The first part was those first 18 or 20 years where I was basically a robot. I just went through the motions. I didn't do anything for myself. I kind of lived to please other people. I wanted everybody to like me. I masked heavily because I didn't want people to... Well, honestly, I didn't know I was masking, but I just basically pretended that I was like everybody else. And I wasn't really fooling anyone because I did get bullied and teased a lot, even as an adult, which I will go into um, in the more... in the That would probably be considered the friendship section. But basically, when it comes to the work thing, um, so I, after I got laid off, I had to find another job and that's when I had to take a deep look at myself and my life. I was like faced with reality and the reason why it was so scary was because my dad had gotten me my first job, well basically the second one, but that was the one that I was at for 18 years and so I was forced to do it myself now. <laughs> I mean, since I was in my early 30s, I wasn't expecting my dad to help me find another job, nor did I want him to because I kind of wanted to make a choice for myself. I, For 18 years, I did a job I hated. And so, you know, over the years, I did think about, gosh, what do I really want to do? I like photography, but I don't know how to take pictures and I don't know how I'd make a living doing that. So I didn't really do nothing about it. I was lazy, whatever. So when I was forced to find a job on my own, it took me like eight months or nine months because I just, I, I was getting unemployment and I really wanted to just think. It was a lot to think about and I couldn't decide. So after nine months, I finally got a job working at a teenage shelter. And I'm going to go in more in depth with all of these jobs, so I'm going to skip over the details. Basically, I hated it. I got another job, I hated it. I got another job, I hated it. Over and over and over until I've had like 14 jobs. And the last job that I had was like four years ago. Might have been five years ago now. And what happened was... I feel like I'm kind of branching off in a bunch of different areas here where I'm trying to go with this. I could take this in different directions. So I'll just talk about that later. Basically, the work thing never worked out. I It destroyed my mental health. It burned me out. 
and I did not know why and now I know why because I was autistic and I struggle with these things and that is why you know I learned that 80% of autistic people are unemployed and a lot of them are living off of disability a lot of them are only working part-time because that's all they can handle and a lot of them live with their parents or other people who support them it's just it's not a good situation. And of course, since I didn't know how this was, I thought that the problem was me. I thought, why can't I get a job that doesn't make me depressed and stressed out and full of anxiety and unhappy? I couldn't figure it out. So that was the whole work thing. And so I ended up starting my own business online. Um, with some money that I got when my dad died. So that was like a buffer for me. It was like a cushion of time that I bought for myself to make my own thing happen. And of course, by this time I was in my 40s. So I really wanted to make something for myself that I was happy with. And I'm still making money from that, although it's not a full-time income. But there's really not much more to say about that. It's just a... Uh, it's like uh, I'm trying to make it work, but I don't, I'm getting burnt out on that as well. <laughs> and my computer is missing a bunch of buttons, keys, so I can't type on it. And it's just a dead end there. So I'm just stopping. I, I can't put any more money into the business. I can't put any more time into the business. I'm pretty much burnt out on everything. And at this point, I'm just waiting to get my therapist's um, uh, she's hooking me up with a caseworker that's going to help me with, you know, financial things and maybe getting a disability. So that's, that's where that sits. <laughs> so that was my work struggles for my adulthood. <laughs> like they started in my teenage years and they just kept on going and they never got any better. So I don't mean to say this in a, like a negative way if you're listening to this and you're younger than me because you might have better luck than me with jobs. There are some autistic people that can find a job that works for them, but most of them do struggle with it. So just be warned that that's probably going to be an issue, but it might not be. So what was friendships like in my adulthood years? Uh, I have always managed to have at least one close friend. Um, I, I made a good friend in my first job at McDonald's who is still my closest friend to this day. And we've been friends for like 35 years and it's a guy. So like I said in my last episode, friendships for females that have autis autism are very weird. They're more drawn towards male friendships because the, the whole thing with women just doesn't sit right with us. All of my girl friends ended up not wanting to talk to me no more. And I've learned that that's a pattern with a lot of autistic women. So I, I do have a couple of female friends that I've met through special interests, but I have not known them nearly as long as this guy. So, and the thing with friendships is they're sort of easy to make at the beginning if you um, have like something in common, which I usually did, but 
how I said my, my adulthood was kind of split into two parts. The first part of it was where I was masking. So one of the things that I did to mask was to get drunk. I drank alcohol all the time. Well, not every day. I, I drank it to be social because I couldn't talk to people. I would have never made any friends if I was never drunk. So I went out clubbing in my 20s and 30s. And I met a lot of friends that way, but like I said, it's a very superficial friendship that way because you're just meeting in a club, in a bar, to get drunk, to dance, and none of those friendships really lasted longer than two or three years. And most of my friendships I've actually made through work because when you're working with people, it's much easier to get to know them and feel comfortable with them. So. I actually met all of my relationships, my boyfriends, at jobs. And I've had three relationships that were longer than, well, you know, almost a year or, or a little over a year. Um, so none of those relationships became serious to the point where I got engaged because I never really wanted to get married. I never wanted kids. And the relationships were not a good fit for me. My first one lasted two years, but only because I, it was my first one and I did not even meet him till I was 26. So that was like, I felt like I was making up for lost time and I didn't want to lose the one that I had. So I stayed with him longer than I should have. He was the guy that I got my, my first apartment with. So I moved out of my mom's house at 26 as well. And so, yeah, I was a late bloomer with all of it. And that relationship ended when I realized that I just wasn't happy with him. And this was around the same time that I got laid off, a little bit before that. A lot of the life changes that happened in my life happened in my early 30s where I got laid off. I got out of that first relationship and I really started to unmask without even knowing that I was unmasking. So from there on out, from that middle point out, I, I felt a little more conscious with my choices of who I dated and the jobs that I took and the things that I did in my spare time. So I started actually having hobbies and I mean, I've always had music as my special interest. I always went to concerts and things like that, but in my early thirties, when I started unmasking, I didn't really, I, I, I was kind of start. it was almost like I was a teenager. I was like, what do I want to do? What do I want? Where do I want to work? Who do I want to date? What do I want to do with my spare time? And so I ended up buying a nice camera and becoming really good at photography. And that was one of the things that I tried to do for a job, but whatever, um, that's hard to do. Um, <laughs> so then I, I had a couple more relationships that I met through work. And those two didn't last quite as long as the first one because I, I I was more conscious at the time. I was starting to become more myself, more authentic. And I realized that these guys were not the right ones for me either. So the second one was kind of a mutual breakup because we really were more of a friendship than a relationship. The whole sex thing was... Uh, I'm going to make a whole different episode about the sexual thing because that's like a big subject. So anyway, um, the, f the relationships didn't last for as long as, you know, 
most do, I'm sure. One was like nine months, the other one was a year. So I've been single now for about four or five years. I can't really keep track anymore. <laughs> and at this point in my life, in fact, right away after I broke up with that last one, I was never so happy to be single. Because when I started off with my, you know, in my 20s, I was like, oh my god, I still have not had a boyfriend. I still haven't even been on an actual date. And so in my 20s, I was really depressed about that. And then I did get that boyfriend. And so then after having three boyfriends that were not good for me and, you know, finding myself in my 40s single and actually happy about it, that was a really big turning point for me. And now I almost feel like uh, in parts of me does want another relationship, but parts of me also is so happy that I can be alone. <laughs> I mean, I look at it that way because autistic people need their alone time. And I've never wanted to be married or have kids anyway. So to me, a relationship is just a a companion to go through life with and to do things with. And for me, that's someone that can be my musical partner as well because they need to love music in order to be with me. <laughs> and that's another thing that autistic people find is that the people that they connect with the most and feel closest to are the ones that they have things in common with, especially their special interest. So, as far as friendships, I have kind of lost touch with a lot of the friends and acquaintances that I used to have, like old coworkers and people that I used to go clubbing with. Now I meet people at music festivals, which is one of the things in my life that I never knew existed and I wish had I had always known existed because these types of music festivals are really up my alley. They're in nature. Um, the music itself is positive and uplifting. It's kind of like hippie music. And the people there are all about, you know, love and acceptance. And when I met these people, I realized that that was my people. They were not autistic. Of course, this was before I even knew I was autistic, but they were very accepting. And I made hundreds of acquaintances and many of them became good friends. Of course, I only see them at festivals, which is fine though, because I'm not the kind of person, autistics are not really into spending lots of time every day with their friends or even sometimes every week. They're fine with just waiting until there's that thing that you both love and then you just do that thing together. I've even heard of autistic people that only see their friends once a year or once every two years and that's fine for them and you know whatever works. It's everybody's different although like I say you know most autistic people they just can't handle the interaction that much so I'm I'm pretty good with having my one close friend that I see about once a week, every two weeks, and then seeing my music festival friends a couple times a year. That works for me. Um, so another thing with autistic people and friendships is since we need that special interest connection, we often find it difficult to make friends in real life because for one, we don't like small talk. That's another thing about autistic people. We just want to get to the, what it's all about, you know, what we're here for. And that's usually for the deep conversation of the things that mean the most to us. So 
Making friends in real life is very hard, so we have turned to the internet. A lot of autistic people say that the internet is where they have most of their social life, or at least, you know, most of their um, heavy conversations, deep conversations, um, special connections with people across the world that have the same things in common. So, for me, that's Facebook. I have made so many friends through Facebook or even like um, internet forums. Be back before Facebook groups were a thing, there were internet forums where people could, like discussion groups, you know, where people could talk about their special subjects that they loved. And for me, that was music. So every time I would get obsessed with another band, I would find the people, find the fans and make so many new friends that way. Online friends, of course. I wouldn't really be able to meet most of them in person, but it was good enough because I could sit in my house by myself in my comfortable environment and talk to people about my favorite bands and it was it's great. Like I still do that today. And that's something that's never going to change, I'm sure. Um so I'm going to move on now to the next topic, which is my mental health. So how has my mental health been? over the 31 years of being an adult and not knowing I was autistic. It, as you can probably tell, it was a struggle, especially with the work thing, um, with the relationships, with the friendships. Um, I gotta say though that when things were good, I was okay. So things were good sometimes. I, I got lucky with a, with a job or two for part of the time that I was there, but then things would always go bad. So during the rare times where things were actually going good in my life and I was quote unquote happy, my mental health was okay. I'm still not gonna say it was great though because I still always have anxiety no matter what. That's like an inborn thing for most autistic people because just going through life struggling and not knowing why gives you anxiety and and that's like a thing that I just can't shake and I'm learning that it's just gonna always be there and sometimes it's worse sometimes it's not so bad but even when it's not so bad I still do have anxiety over some things for me that's driving in the winter time really gets my anxiety up because I just don't trust the roads. I don't trust driving on ice or snow. It's just not something that I like. So that's a struggle too. And that gets in the way when it comes to work as well. And so what I wanted to say too about my mental health was when it would get worse would always be when like a job was absolutely horrible. There were so many in most of my jobs, if not all, in fact, yes, all of my jobs caused me mental health issues at some point. If not the entire time, then for a, a good chunk of the time. So there were so many times, which I'm gonna go into more detail in a separate episode about just work because that's a lot of information. But basically, over the 31 years, I tried another job whenever I you know, would quit the old one because I couldn't handle it no more. And I thought, you know what? I'll just have to do this instead. I've never tried this before. I'll try this now. So I've had jobs in a lot of different areas. 
And each time I got a new one, I did have hope that it would work out and solve all my problems. As I got older, you know, like in my 40s, and I'm on my like 13th job, you know, that's when I started to realize why am I the problem? What's wrong with me? I've now worked in factories, stores, restaurants, um, hotels, random various other things, and nothing, nothing was working. And so what happened was I ended up well, I already explained how when my dad died, I got some money for me to quit working and start an online business. So when I did that, I decided to get to the bottom of this problem. Um, I went to a, my first therapist and that did not go well because really all she did was encourage me to start my business, but that was my idea. And she didn't tell me anything I didn't already know. And she spent a lot of time just asking me, I mean, I know this is what therapists are supposed to do, but, you know, asking you, how do you feel about that? How does that make you feel? And sure, that's great for venting about how you feel. It's a really good way to get your thoughts and feelings out. But I have always been a journaler. I've always kept a daily journal, so I have always been really on top of it when it comes to my feelings, expressing myself, getting, you know, down to how I feel. I know how I feel about everything and I didn't need to repeat that. So that first therapist was pretty much no help to me at all. The only thing she did was she suggested that I might have ADHD, which is why I might not be able to focus on one job for a long time. Even though I stayed at one job for 18 years, but you know, from the middle point on, I was jumping around. And so that's why she thought I might have ADHD. She had me tested for that and I did not have it according to that test. And I was actually, when I got diagnosed with autism, he said that I probably have ADHD and would like to test me again. But I told him flat out that even though I was already tested and, I, and it came out negative, I don't want to get on medication because I am, it's just a personal thing with me that I'm really against pharmaceutical drugs. And so I told him I'm not going to take anything. I'll find a natural solution for this problem if I even have it. So that's just a side note there. <laughs> so after that, sec after that therapist, I kind of went about my business, you know, I worked on my business, I went to a lot of music festivals, I had a lot of money in the bank, so I was happy for the first time in my life, I feel like, even though I knew that, you know, it might not last, because I did have enough money to last me for a couple of years that way, but I didn't know how well my business would do. And it didn't do so well in the beginning, but it's doing a little better now. It's doing enough to keep me afloat, sort of without going into too much financial detail, which I don't need to do, it's not important, but basically um, I, I'm kind of still doing the business. So I started to get depressed again when my money started running out and I didn't know what to do, so I started going to another therapist. And that therapist was even worse than the first one. That one, you know, pretty much the same crap. <laughs> How do you feel? Um, maybe you should just work part-time. 
That was what the first one said too. But the th I can't. One person cannot afford to live on a part-time income in this world. It's just not possible. It's only possible for me because I got that extra money when my dad died, and so uh, whatever. <laughs> as far as the future of what's going to happen with me, I don't know. That's up in the air. But right now. Um, Anyway, I'm kind of losing my train of thought here. That second therapist is what I'm trying to talk about. And that was basically useless again. So after I quit going to that one, I got even more depressed because I'm like, okay, I've had 14 jobs. They've all made me depressed and anxious and I can't do it. I've been to two therapists and neither one of them has helped me. My business is not bringing in a full-time income and I'm almost out of money and I'm going into debt. And that's, that this, okay, so now I'm bringing you up to speed to about a year ago. Almost a year ago now. Um, right now it's September of 2022, just for future reference. <laughs> so September, well, actually winter of 2021, 2020 and 2021 was when I got, wait, I'm getting my years mixed up. I'm so awful with numbers and years and time. <laughs> about a year ago from now, whatever. So <laughs> I don't think it's important anyway. But I had car problems. And so that set off an even worse, an even deeper depression than I've ever been in because I could not afford car problems. My car was 13 years old and I needed it to last a little longer because I didn't have a job. I couldn't buy another vehicle. So I just went, I went to another therapist <laughs> and thank God this third therapist actually helped me. Um, so what I ended up doing was I, I saw a credit card that was advertising and they said no interest for a year and you get cash back for all these purchases and i'm like okay i i have a i have a credit card already that's almost maxed out i'm gonna have to get another one to fix my car it was just what i had to do but i was super depressed about it because i'm like this is gonna cost it, it, it ended up costing me like three grand to get my car fixed and i had to do it because i couldn't get a new car nobody was gonna give me a loan and buying another old car would have been another money pit. So I just put the money into the car that I have because the car that I have, I'm actually really attached to it. And I'm going to go off on a tangent here, but this, some autistic people might be able to relate to this. When you become attached to something or used to something that's like a staple in your life and you're just, it's like a part of you, you'll do whatever it takes to keep that in your life. And for me, that was my car. My car is... It started off being like, I feel like I manifested this car, like with magic. I, I, I had in mind the kind of car I wanted and the color even. And then I found out that there was one for sale in the whole state and I went to get it and it was amazing. And so that car lasted me, I still have it, but like I've had it now for like 15 years and I've been through a lot of shit with that car. I. I went to a job that was 12 hours away, driving back and forth across this the state 
you know, and it, that was kind of like a bonding experience for me in that car. I slept in that car many times at music festivals, and I started towing my camper when I bought a camper, and so it's become something that's pretty important to me. And so, yeah, that's why I spent three grand on getting it fixed. End of that story. So, that third therapist helped me, and this is how she helped me. She didn't just sit there and say, well, I think you should just try working part-time. How do you feel about that? Instead, she tried to help me figure out why I was the way I was. This was the beginning of me finding out that I was autistic. I told her I've been to two other therapists. They didn't work. I've had 14 jobs. They all make my mental health worse. There is something wrong with me and I don't know what it is and talking about it isn't helping. I need to find out what's wrong with me. So she didn't actually know that I was autistic because she's not an expert on it. What happened was, and here's another tangent I have to go off on, on Facebook, one of my autistic friends shared a meme about autism. And when I saw it, it was like a light bulb went off. I'm like, what? Wait a minute, I have all of those things wrong with me. And I can't remember what they are right now, but they were just some of the autistic traits. And I'm like, hmm. <laughs> I took an online quiz and I got high scores on it, which of course say that you probably have autism. But I didn't want to trust one quiz. I took like five more and I scored high on all of these quizzes. So I took my quiz results to my therapist and I said, I think I might have autism. And you know what? This would explain why I have struggled in my entire life with everything. With feeling like I didn't fit in, with finding a job that would work for me, with relationships, with friendships, with just random weird things that I do that nobody knows about. So I let it all out and I told her all of these weird things about myself that she, I mean, some of these things were just, she'd never heard me say before. Like one of the things that I remember telling my therapist, this third therapist, was I was kind of breaking down at this point. I told her, I don't know how I've gotten this far in life. I don't know how I've done it. <laughs> and the thing about autism explains that because autistic people struggle through life. Most, most of them struggle more than regular people, but some of them struggle more than others, other autistic people. So I'm obviously one of the ones that struggled the most. And so when I told my therapist this, she says, you know what? I think you're right. I, I don't know why I didn't think of this before because she, she's a little familiar with it, enough to have, you know, a clue. So after I showed her it and we talked about it, she's like, yep, we're gonna get you tested. And so I was tested and I have it and there we go with that. <laughs> so this, this whole segment here is about my mental health. So after that happened and I found out that I was autistic, that was obviously a huge relief because it answered every question I've ever had about life and why I was not working at it, why I couldn't get it to work for me. So like I said, that was only a little over a month ago. It might, might be two months now, but that was a turning point in my life as well. And my mental health since then 
has gone up and down for various reasons. Of course, it's better that I know, but the part that makes me a little depressed sometimes is realizing that with autism, you're born with it and you die with it. You, you don't heal it because this is how your brain has developed. Um, of course, there's going to be people listening that are going to say, but you can change your brain. And yes, there's ways to make things easier. Of course, those are these are just ways to make your life easier, but that doesn't mean that you're going to be smooth sailing from here on out. So there's ways that you can cope with the problems that you have, but we're still living in a world that is not built for us. So... I got, I've been depressed on and off about that because I, I'm thinking about my future, thinking I'm not going to be able to hold down a job when I'm 65 years old, 60, I mean, I'm not going to be able to retire at that point, let's just face it, because living alone, you need more money than a couple would need, I mean, each person, so I'm going to have to figure something out, I'm going to need a miracle or something to keep me afloat and so getting older as well and I'm going through perimenopause now so that's another addition to my mental health stress that exacerbates autism and this is a really big topic that I'm going to be talking about a lot in the future because many well actually what I've heard from almost every older autistic woman is that perimenopause makes everything worse because the typical symptoms of perimenopause, a lot of them overlap with autism, such as anxiety, that's a big one, depression, panic attacks, um, fatigue, mm, there's others, but those are the big ones that I struggle with, like and aches and pains, like, oh, I can't even dance like I used to be able to anymore. I need so much time to recover from when I do things. Uh, I, I get tired easier, I am always anxious, I'm having panic attacks in the middle of the night, and a lot of these things are perimenopause symptoms too, so everything is just exacerbating right now, and like I said, it's nice that I know that I'm autistic, but at the same time, it doesn't make it all just go away. So I'm, and this is a reason why I started this podcast, was because I wanted to process the whole thing and just like get out my thoughts and feelings about it about how my life is going through so many changes that I can't control I can manage maybe hopefully <laughs> and like I said I'm still at the beginning of my journey when it comes to that so I mean we'll see how it goes so I'm gonna f go on now to the next category that I wanted to talk about which is living arrangements so when I was a 20, in my 20s, before I got my first boyfriend, I lived with my mom and I didn't mind it because obviously I, you know, I could have maybe tried to move out, but I just didn't want to. I just spent my money on my buying vehicles and things I wanted to buy, whatever. And then when I met the boyfriend, I moved in with him. So that was my first apartment. So when we broke up, he moved out and I was stuck with this apartment that I could not afford. So I, and this is another thing that's hard for autistic people is to take a giant step in their life, making a decision to make a change. 
because we like routine. You know, I wanted to stay in this apartment that I'd lived in for two years. I loved it. And I was so sad when I had to leave, but I remember that day sitting on my bed with the newspaper. This was before the internet. I'm like, I gotta find somebody that's renting out a room in their house because that's all I can afford. And I had to call them, which is hard for me. I hate making phone calls. And it ended up being a guy that I used to work with at McDonald's. <laughs> so it was somebody that I knew already. So I rented a couple rooms out of his house and I lived there for a while. And then by this time, I was there for maybe two or three years. And then my friend, the one that I've known for 30 years, we decided to get a house together and we could because he made a lot of money <clears throat> and I had really good credit because since I was living with my mom for so long, I paid off my credit cards really quickly. So I had really good credit. He had a lot of money together. We were able to buy a house. We lived in that house for three years and I, I loved living there. Um, aside from the fact that I don't do so well living with people because I need my quiet time and I need my sleep and I need my space. And I learned that living with him, I didn't have that a lot. But I did like the fact that I felt safe and comfortable there and I could walk to my job. At the time I was still working at the factory. It was really close to my job. So that was great. I got to save on gas. So that was um, where I lived for three years. And then he moved out with another friend and what I ended up doing was getting an apartment by myself, even though I couldn't really afford it, but it was all I could do because I didn't want to move back in with my mom at this point. I knew I was more of an adult. I was in my thirties. Not that I was a really good adult because I still sucked at everything, but I was able to get this other apartment and I don't even know how I made it through because I, well, I still had that factory job, which paid really good, but then when they laid off, I was on unemployment for nine months, and the, my unemployment money was actually pretty decent, but, you know, it didn't last, and I couldn't get another full-time job that paid enough, and I ended up not being able to stay in that apartment, and when I moved out of that apartment, I was so depressed that I cried because I had to live with my mom again. I was 30-something. I don't remember. I was like 38 and living with my mom again. And I didn't really have a good job at the time. I, I picked up some part-time retail job and I hated it. Of course, I hated living with my mom. I hated not having money, but I couldn't for reasons that I'm going to go into in the work episode, I couldn't make it work. So that was one of the lowest points of my life right there. Just the fact that I was, I was getting close to my 40s, living with my mom again. I was single. I, I had been single for a long time at this point, like 10 years, 12 years. And I'm like, am I ever going to get another boyfriend? Am I ever going to find a job that can support myself? Am I ever going to be happy? Am I ever going to be able to do this adult thing? So I got um, on the internet. This is, we did finally have the internet at this point. I was able to look for more jobs. I was able to find something that I could live at. It was a work job or a, a live in work job. 
And this was the job that was 12 hours away. So what I had to do was every six weeks, I had to drive for 12 hours and then we'd stay in these trailers that were temporarily set up for us to live in on site. So I was, it was tolerable because I wasn't, it's not, I was living with my mom technically, but I wasn't, I was only home when I was on break, which was every two weeks. But I was really only home for like a week because it took me a couple days to drive. So <laughs> I, I'm sorry if I'm going off on tangents here, but that, whatever. So I had this job and I was making actually pretty good money there because of the hours. It was 12 hour days, six weeks in a row. And I saved up a good chunk of money working there. The only problem was um, they, the management there did not like me for some reason. Well, a lot of people haven't liked me because they just don't. When people meet autistic people, they don't really know why it is, but they just don't like them. And this is a statistic that I've heard. People will decide within a few seconds that they don't like you. And that's true for autistic people. They just know that there's something different about you, but they don't know what it is. And I think that's what was the case was with those managers there. They were all absolutely horrible to me. They pushed me around. They forced me to do things that were bad for my health. I ended up having a meltdown. I started crying and freaking out and I had to have somebody drive me to the hospital because I wasn't sleeping because they made me sleep or they, they forced me to switch from the night shift to the day shift in one day. Like I literally, they said, don't work today. Go, go back to your trailer and sleep and come in in the morning. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I sleep in the daytime and I work overnight and you're telling me that I have to somehow switch that in, in one day when I can't sleep at night anyway. This has been a thing for me. I have delayed sleep face syndrome. Well, well actually, this is how I found out that I had it. Up till now, I just thought I was a night owl. But anyway, I, 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 I struggled through that for a week and that's how I didn't get any sleep and I couldn't function. I was dizzy. I, I felt like I was gonna pass out. I started crying and I freaked out and the doctor gave me a stupid sleeping pill that didn't do anything. I told the doctor, sleeping pills don't work on me. I'm just, I've got this sleep issue. So the sleeping pill didn't do anything. Um, I was able to go see a sleep therapist who said that I had delayed sleep phase disorder. So I went back to my job and I said, I had a note. I get to go back on my regular hours because that's all that I can do with my body. Otherwise I'm not gonna sleep. So they were forced to put me back on the hours that I was working on. But then they, there was a whole, oh, I'm getting in, I'm getting too far in detail with this and I didn't want to. My whole point here was that job paid good and I, but I struggled with those managers that hated me. So I, I ended up getting fired because they were trying to force me to transfer to another location. And I, that was just awful because autistic people need their routines. They don't like change. They wanted me to move from one end of the country to the other end of the country, literally in one day. They wanted me to get on a plane. They had a plane ticket bought for me already. They wanted me to get on a plane and that day, 
there was a snowstorm. They wanted me to drive to the airport, pack up all my stuff, drive to the airport, and fly to this across the country. I don't think anybody would have done that, let alone an, uh, another autistic person. So that was awful, and I quit because, well, they, they said, you'll be fired if you don't do this. So I basically got fired. So <laughs> the good thing that came out of that was I found out that I had delayed sleep phase disorder, which explained everything about the sleep issues throughout my life. So I went home, living with my mom still, of course, but this time I had some money saved up. I had enough money saved up to buy a mobile home. And that was all I could afford because I couldn't afford a house. And I just needed to get out of my mom's house because I was too depressed living there. I had no privacy. I couldn't stand it. So I moved. And this is a, was in another town. So it was not the same town that I grew up in. So I moved to this other town. And I, I'm still in the trailer. I'm still in the mobile home now. And that was six years ago, I think. So really, it's kind of a recent development that I've got my... I mean, I, I'm going to say I got my shit together, but I still don't got it together at all. <laughs> I mean, I have the trailer. I have a place to live where I'm alone. And I can have my peace. And I've got my... You know, everything else is cool. It's just that I can't get the, the work thing to work. Um, so yeah, that's the living arrangements. And as you can see, the pattern there is that I needed assistance all the time. I needed somebody else to live with, but then I had problems living with other people. And then I had to live with my mom, and I hated that. And this is what I got. I'm living in a trailer park. <laughs> I am trailer trash, only I don't really consider myself trash. It's just that... I feel like I deserve to live in a place that's um, nicer, but that's besides the point. <laughs> so now I'm going to talk briefly, I'm just going to recap what my biggest struggles have been. My biggest struggles in my life obviously have been work because that's really where I keep going back to work every time. If I could just find one job that would not fire me, would not lay me off, that did not overstimulate me, that I could get along with the people there, and that I did not hate the work itself, then I'd be fine. But alas, alas, is that how you pronounce that word? It still has not happened. And so we're going to find out what happens here when I get a caseworker. And, and I'm also switching to a different therapist that... Um, not that I don't love my uh, this other one, but I'm switching to a therapist that f knows more about autism. She actually told my current therapist, you need to get her some support. She needs a caseworker to help her with these life decisions and things, financial issues, work issues, all of it, housing issues. So yeah, I, I feel like I'm getting a lot of support now with this new situation with the therapy. And so, yeah, if, if I had to narrow down the biggest struggles in my adult life, it's, it's been work and also relationships, but relationships kind of take a backseat when you don't have your shit together, when you can't support yourself. So I've been, uh, my income is so low now that I've been able to 
get on food stamps. And of course, I've always had health insurance through the state because you have to have health insurance. And if you don't have a job, you get this free health insurance. So I, I'm getting by with all of those things, but I'm still in debt and that's the big problem. If I wasn't in debt right now, I could, I could be fine for a while longer, but um, yeah, I'm really not quite sure how much I should talk about my financial stuff because I'm sure a lot of autistic people struggle with that too, but it's neg it's it's kind of a depressing subject and I don't know what the answer is. I'm still learning as I go what I'm going to do. I don't know where my where my future is leading. I don't know where I'm going to be a year from now as far as my living situation because this trailer is falling apart. It had mold in it last a couple years ago, which was removed, but my roof is still leaking. So chances are there's still mold in here, but what am I going to do? I'm not moving back in with my mom. <laughs> That's for damn sure. So um, I think this is a good time to end this episode. Um, I was kind of hoping I could talk a little more. In fact, I probably still can, you know, about my, the change. <clears throat> the change where my life changed. <laughs> well, basically was that point in the middle where I started to unmask without really knowing that I was unmasking. I, like I said, I look at my adulthood in two separate chunks. One chunk is, you know, working at the factory, wanting everybody to like me. I would date almost anybody. Not that I have many options, but because as an autistic person, people don't really like you. It's hard enough to find friends, let alone romantic partners. So, um, I started in my thirties around the time that I got laid off and left my first boyfriend was around the time, you know, when I, when I had my first apartment by myself, I truly felt like I, I had more freedom there. Like I felt like I want to do things I want to do. And I started getting really into self-help and spirituality. And this is another topic that I'm going to talk about in depth in another episode is how I thought that self-help was the answer for me and spirituality as well. I got super into, well, spirituality is different. That's always there. But basically I thought that there was something wrong with me and self-help was the answer. So I was always on a quest. It was my journey to get my life together and find out what I really wanted to do. And I started to just become naturally my authentic self, which I am now. I um, when it comes to masking, it's hard to say. I don't think that I mask hardly at all, except for when I'm meeting new people or when I'm around my family, because my family honestly doesn't even know that I'm autistic. And that's a whole different subject that I'll talk about another time. But I'm, for the most part, you know, I live alone. I'm alone so much that I think the masking thing is not a problem anymore because I have developed my sense of individual individuality, uniqueness. I have a style when it comes to how I dress, how I look. I have dreadlocks. I don't have normal hair, so that alone makes me look different. I, um, like, I go to music festivals, so that kind of tells you what kind of person I am. <laughs> I like to dress in really bold colors and unique styles of clothing. 
and I'm just more into being myself. Like, I will not do things I don't want to do, and that's kind of a stubborn thing. Like, you know, when I'm with my friends, I'm like, I'm kind of, I kind of have boundaries now, which I never had before. Like, I'll tell them, no, I don't want to do anything today because I need to recover from what something I just did yesterday. <laughs> like, I don't want to drive my car more than, you know, two days in a row. I want some space where I can breathe. I don't want to even make plans unless I know ahead of time. And I don't want to do more than like one or two things in a week. I don't want to schedule more than one thing in a day, that's for sure. Like, so I'm really picky with how I live my life now. And I can because I've earned it. After 31 years, oh my gosh, like... I can't believe what a people pleaser I was. I had no boundaries. I pretended I was a person that loved certain things. I liked things that my friends liked just because they liked them. And now I'm all about me. And it, it makes me feel like some people might perceive that as being selfish. But, and that's a thing with autistic people too. Since the word autistic is derived from the Greek word um, autos, that means self and we are focused on ourselves we just are we're just really good at taking care of ourselves in a not not in an adult way but in a way that makes us happy because we have to self-soothe all the time we have to be in places that are not too bright not too loud we need to be alone we need to look at pretty things. We need to listen to pretty things. We just can't handle irritating things. We can't handle things that are not good for us mentally and physically and even spiritually. So, yeah, I I consider myself like 99% unmasked and it all happened naturally. So I'm going to talk about that a little more in depth in, in another episode. But I realize that this is almost an hour long and I'm going to stop. So thank you so much. If you are still with me, thank you for listening. And I really hope you got some benefit out of this episode. And I will see you in the next one.